forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I am going to do. Oh, that's just what, that's the message. It's like Isaiah speaking to us in 2023 in this message, in this room, with this topic in mind. You know, he's saying, look, you know, God's saying, look, forget all that. Forget whatever the world offers and all the glitz and glimmer of the world. Forget all that because it's nothing compared to what I'm going to do. For I am about to do something new. And again, if you are here without Jesus Christ, boy, God wants to do a great new thing in your life. And and listen, if you're here and you've trusted Jesus Christ, then we want to remember the great new work that he has brought into our lives. Never, the world is never enough. The world is never enough. So we start out with a story uh, that you probably know. It's our starting point this morning. And it's about a guy named Jim Elliott. Jim Elliott. Um, here's what it says. So uh, Jim Elliott, by the way, uh, is famous. And I'll tell you why he's famous in just a moment. Um, but anyway, so on October the 28th, 1949. So at that, on that day, when he wrote this in his journal, he was 22 years old. So if you're near that date in there, kind of imagine yourself. Um, Trey's 24. So imagine Trey about this time in his life writing something like this. So here he is. He writes and says this. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. That is simply deeply profound. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. He knew the importance of Jesus, the world never being enough, and Jesus always being enough. Well, you've already read ahead. Six years, two months, and 12 days later. Six years, two months, and 12 days later. He and four friends are in Ecuador trying to reach this group. Um... He's now, what, 28 years old? And they, they reach out to the group and seem to be making progress. And so they decide to build a little hut on the beach of this river so they can be closer to the people they're trying to reach. Their families are in country, and they're not too far away, but they are safely away. And so that morning when they arrived to try to build this hut, 10 of the warriors approached them from that tribe. And as, you know, as Jim Elliott and his friend Ed walked over to greet them, they were savagely martyred and murdered right there on the beach. And then they proceeded to also kill the other three. All five were young men. Now remember what he said. He is no fool to give up what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. The world went crazy. Today, it probably wouldn't even garner a headline on the smallest news, news patient. But then it did. The the papers were filled with stories, and most of them said, here's what it said, most of them said, what a tragic waste of life. What a tragic waste of life. But see, the world doesn't understand what Jim said. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain, that which he cannot lose. You see, Jim Elliott was no fool. He simply did what he said. He was willing to put his life on the line and sacrifice his life for the cause of the kingdom and the Lord Jesus Christ. So, can I ask you what you think? Was he a fool? Was he a fool? Should he have not been there in the first place? You know? Uh, Mom and dad, what if that was your child? Would you say, oh, what a waste of my son's life. 
Grand, granddad and grandma, hey, what a waste of my grandchild. What, what a waste. Would we be able to understand and grasp the truth of what he said? He is no fool to give what he cannot keep, to gain what he cannot lose. Today we want to talk about following Jesus. That last, next to last song, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Now, in this room, there's a chunk of y'all who have already put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And I kind of want to revisit what you did that day just to remind you. But there are perhaps some who have never done that. And so the question becomes, is it worth following Jesus? And you may want to ask that question today. If you have followed Jesus, is it worth following Jesus? Particularly if it really does mean martyring your life, giving your life away. Is it still worth it? Well, we want to begin today with um, a story out of Luke chapter 2, uh, 27, Luke chapter 5, uh, 27 and 28. And we will look at two invitations that Jesus gives that really, really brings this home. Is it worth following Jesus? Is it worth following Jesus? Not is it worth getting religion? Not is it worth joining the church? Not is it worth being baptized? Not is it worth being a better person? Not is it, not is it worth you know, giving up bad habits to get new habits? Is it worth following Jesus? So the Bible starts out by saying after this. Well, you know what I did, don't you? Well, yeah. I said, I better find out what after this was. What preceded this story? And what precedes this story is, is, that, is that wonderful story about some friends which, you know, that happened to take this guy who couldn't walk on a mat and they got there to, give him, to show him to Jesus so Jesus could heal him and they couldn't get in so they climbed up on the roof and they, they tore a hole in the roof and they lowered this guy right in front of Jesus. And so like, you know, Jesus did the right thing, right? He said, hey, your sins are forgiven. And like everybody's going, what? Wait, whoa, stop. You know, crippled. Did you miss the part of he can't walk, Jesus? No, see, Jesus understood the most important thing was the forgiveness of his sins. Well, the Pharisees got all mad because they said, who are you that you think you can forgive sin and who can forgive sin on earth? They got all fired up. And so Jesus said, well, well, I'll tell you what. Just so you understand that I do have authority to forgive sins, he looked at the guy and said, get up and walk. And boom, just like that. The guy who never could walk, he'd been on this mat all his life, gets up, rolls up his mat, and walks out the door. Now, you're talking about a closure. That's closing, man. That's awesome. That's incredible. Well, that's what precedes this. That's what precedes this. After this. So Jesus leaves the house, and he's walking down the road. And the Bible says he went out, and he saw a tax collector. Now, pause. Wait. I know I've told you probably 15 times over the years, about tax collectors. You've got to understand they were the baddest people in town. They were the worst sinners in town. They were traitors to their people. They, they, were, they were friends of the Roman government. They were cheats and liars and thieves. They would, they would, the tax bill was $100, and they could charge $150. They gave the, the 100 to Rome, and they kept the 50 And these people were so dirt poor. If you ever watched the, watch the Chosen, you saw this played out in Matthew's life, and that's just how it was. See, see, Jesus saw a tax collector. Most people did their best to ignore tax collectors. And maybe most people try to ignore you. Maybe you're like one of those invisible people. Maybe at, you know, maybe at school, you, you know some folks, if you're not that person, that, that their kids are just invisible. Nobody wants to be friends. 
nobody anything. They ignore them. They do their best to ignore them. Well, that's the way it was with Matthew. Now, his name was Levi, but his name was also Matthew. It's one of those dual name things, okay? And so he saw this tax collector sitting at his tax office. He was at work. He was, he was busy stealing from people. You know, good morning, how are you? That'll be more than it should be. So he saw this tax collector at the tax office. He walks up to him, and keep in mind, once again, nobody saw him, nobody talked to him. Virtually every Jew hated him. And then Jesus says this, follow me. What? I, I promise you, you know, he had some followers by now, like Peter and John, those guys, they're about to vomit. They're saying, have you lost your mind inviting the worst guy in town into our little group? Can you, we just can't believe this. That's like, y'all probably go think I'm nuts when I say, whoever walks through that door, we got to love them because Jesus would. I don't care how many holes and tats they got, we've got to love them. No matter how strange you may think they are or we may think they are, you know, we got to love every person who walks through the door because that's what Jesus does and that's what Jesus did right here. He walks up to him and says, hey, I want you to follow me. Crazy. Well, surely Peter and the guys are hoping and praying that Matthew simply says, Are you nuts? Let me tell you about my life, Jesus. I may be hated, but I've got the nicest house in town. I drive the biggest pickup truck in town. I've got the biggest TV in town. I am totally stocked with my portfolio. I've got money, all the money I need. Hey, thank you, but no thank you. I'll just keep sitting in my tax office. That's what they were hoping. Just like sometimes we hope they don't walk through the door. Well, that didn't happen. In verse number 28, you know, we see, you know, so leaving everything behind, leaving everything behind, I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back, leaving everything behind, he got up and began to follow him. What? Yeah, it's like, it's like, I'll leave the pickup trucks, I'll leave the big house, I'll leave the fancy labels, I'll leave my 401k, I'll leave it all behind. And, and oh, by the way, he's also leaving behind a horrible past. But it meant leaving all the stuff he had. So leaving everything behind, he got up and he began to follow. Now, you got to understand, if you're here today, I, I don't want to soft sell this, you know, when you're here, if you're here today and you've never done the Jesus thing, you've never trusted Jesus. You know, you're still like going, me and God are not friends. We know I'm not friends. You know, if you're, if you're there, I want you to understand something. No soft sell. When Jesus invites you to come into his, you know, to follow his, his you know, group, to be part of his group, to follow him, it, it, means, it means leaving behind. See, when, when you follow Jesus, you always leave behind the old to embrace the new. I want you to understand that. If, if, you, if you signed up with Jesus and you thought you could keep doing your, your nasty, dirty habits and your sin and your meanness and your unforgiveness, I want to hang on to all that stuff. You got it wrong, dude. When you follow Jesus, you leave the junk behind and you got a new life. You leave the old behind to follow Jesus. And, you know, I throw that title slide back up there again. 
um, I asked him to be sure, be prepared to do this um, because this verse is so, so good. Look, look, look. First off, the title's great, but look at that. But forget all that. You know, you know, God would say to you today, if you're thinking about following my son, if you're thinking about being a Christian, if you're thinking about, you know, becoming a, a disciple of Jesus, okay, one, you got to forget all that. All that stuff behind, behind's got to stay in behind. It's not, and by the way, to help you with that, say, well, you mean, you mean I give this up and give that up and give this up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But forget all that. It's nothing compared to what I'm going to do. Listen, your life with Jesus is going to be so much more incredible than your life without Jesus. Oh, you won't have bigger big truck pickups. You could. You won't have bigger houses. You could. You may not be able to afford the biggest labor. You could. But my goodness, you gain a friend who's closer than a brother. You have a relationship with God. You get to call him Abba Father, dearest daddy. You've got a guaranteed place in heaven. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. It is a well of a deal. I'm going to, let's forget all that. I'm about to do something new. And God wants to do something new in your life. And by the way, just in case you've forgotten, look at me. If you've trusted Jesus, he's already done something new in your life. You're not waiting for Christmas morning. You're living Christmas morning. You're not waiting on Thanksgiving dinner. Woo! You are seated at the table, chowing down, chowing down. That's where we are living if we'll just recognize what he has done for us. You know, you say, well, Dwayne, was Matthew the only one? No, no, actually, right before, about 20 verses before this story about Matthew, there was Peter. You know, Peter's the guy who had the boats. You know, remember that story? He's washing his nets. Jesus needs a place to teach. Hey, loan me your boat. Peter says, sure, I'll loan you my boat. Jesus pushes out all the ways and, you know, and starts teaching. And then Jesus says, hey, you know, tell you what, kind of like a reward deal, you know, kind of a, like a, a payment thing. Uh, why don't you go ahead and get back in the boat and push out and, and fish? And Peter goes, uh, you obviously, you may be a nice guy, but you don't know anything about fishing because we have fished all night and caught nothing. Jesus said, well. And Peter said, well, okay, we'll try it. So he gets out there, lets the nets down, and cho-whammy, all of a sudden the nets are like bulging at the gills. No pun intended, okay? Yeah, they're bulging at the gills. He calls his friends and partners over. They try to haul this huge drought of fish. I mean, we are talking about money for six months, perhaps even a year. It's that big of a harvest. So Peter gets to shore, and he looks at Peter and says, and looks at Jesus and says, you need to leave here. He goes, I am one sinful guy. I don't, he, he recognized that whoever this guy was, he was much better than, than himself. Peter says, you, you need to leave. You know what Jesus said? He said, no deal, dude. No deal, dude. I'll tell you what. We're going we're gonna to do this. We're going to make you a fisher of men. We're, we're going to let you quit fishing for fish and fish for men. I want you to come follow me. And you know what Peter did? Yeah, it says the exact same thing. He left everything behind. Same words. Same words that, that the Bible says about Matthew. It says about Peter. He left everything behind to follow Jesus. Wow. Hmm. But you know what? Not everybody did. Now, over in Mark chapter 10, there's this guy who comes up, and the Bible describes him as rich and young. And a ruler had a position. 
He comes to Jesus and kind of falls down and says, Jesus, Jesus, you know, uh, what do I have to do to have eternal life? And, you know, Jesus named a couple rules from the Ten Commandments, all like people rules, like don't steal, don't rob, don't commit adultery, things like that. And he wasn't doing it to say this is the way to heaven. He's trying to get the guy to realize he needed somebody bigger than the rules. Okay? So, so yeah, so, so he names these things, and the, and the guy goes, oh, 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 I've done all that all my life. I've done that. And Jesus said, okay, we lack one thing. I want you to go sell. Remember, he's rich. I want you to go sell everything you've got. I want you to give it away to the poor. Okay? And then I want you to come and follow me. Now, Matthew said, yeah. Peter said, yeah. And it's not exactly recorded in the scriptures this way, but the bottom line is he said, you've got to be kidding me. Because the Bible says he hung his head, he walked away grieving because he was very rich. So he said no. Two guys said yes, but one guy said no. And maybe you're here today and you're just not there yet. You're not there. You, you know, maybe already the Jesus story makes sense to you. Maybe you've heard it before and it made sense. You're just not ready to leave it all behind. You got to. You got to. See, when you trust Jesus, you've got to leave the old behind to follow him. You've got to leave the old behind to embrace the new. Kyle Ottoman is a uh, young, young pastor, young being probably 45 or 50 now. He's gotten older. But he said something that's really, really good. He says, following Jesus, following Jesus isn't something you do at night when no one notices. You know, sometimes that's how we view our Christianity. You know, it's something we do like a subvert, subversive, secret agent kind of thing. We're going to be a secret agent for Jesus. You know, I remember reading a long time ago a story about a kid who went to work in a logging camp. You know how logging camps are. You know, drunks, mean, all of that. So he comes back home and the pastor says, well, how did you do? He goes, I did great. He goes, what did those men think about you being a Christian? He goes, oh, they never found out. I'm telling you, so often it seems like Jesus' people want to be secret agents for Jesus. We want people not to know um, who we are, who we are. So Amon says, no, 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 you, it's not something you do at night. Now listen to this. It is a 24-hour-a-day commitment that will interfere with your life. It's a 24-7 deal. Following Jesus is a 24-7 deal, and it will interfere with your life. Let me put that another way. It will, listen, Jesus will mess with your life. Jesus will mess with your life. If you're a Christian and he's not messing with your life, either you need a resurrection or a revival, one of the two. Because when Jesus gets into your life, he changes things. He stirs, hey, hey, he stirs the pot. I remember my friend Donnie. You know, he's a great, you know, every time he shares the gospel, every time we help somebody and we help a lot of people, he makes sure the gospel is shared. And one of the things he used to pray, and Donnie, I bet you still pray it now. He said, Lord, trouble them. Trouble them, Lord. You say, well, what kind of prayer is that? Why would you sit there and say, you know, what do you mean? Why would you pray, trouble them, Lord? Because he knows something valuable. He knows that when God troubles someone, he can win someone. See, the problem with the world, they're so content with what they got. Hey, our problem with a lot of us is that we're too content with what we got. So he prayed, Lord, 
trouble them. It's a 24-hour commitment that will interfere with your life. That's not small print. That's a guarantee. I'm just not sure. I'm not sure that message got across when we trusted Jesus. Or if you're wanting to trust Jesus, I want to make it clear to you that if you invite Jesus into your life, he's going to mess with your life. That's the whole point. He doesn't leave you the way um, that you are. Well, then Jesus gives another invitation. So that was the first one. Matthew, hey, come and follow me. And then he does it like on a mass scale. All right. And we find it in Mark chapter 8, verse 34. Mark chapter 8, verse number 34. Okay. So then, then calling the crowd to join his disciples. So, so here's the group, you know, you know the, the 12 guys. You know, they're here. And so then Jesus does something. I haven't even noticed it before. Not, not, maybe it's the verbiage here that made it so obvious. So he, he, st- he hollers out, you know, here's the 12, you know, they're sitting around him, you know, and all these people, all these folks, they've seen miracles, they've seen all kinds of, hey, hey, y'all. He may not have said y'all, I don't know. Hey, y'all, hey, do you want to come and join this group? He issued this invitation to the crowd. He said, if any of you wants to be my follower, hey, come on, come. if you want to join the group, y'all come forward, please. This is our time of decision. Hey, y'all, y'all come out, y'all come forward, okay, if you want to be my follower. But then he said, then he said, okay, now there's, there's some things you ought to know. Now, if Jesus was here right now and he, he knew somebody was contemplating following him, he'd say, wait, 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 there's some things you ought to know. If I don't know if you got saved in a church service, but if you listen carefully, you're probably going to hear Jesus saying, now wait, before you come forward, I know the preacher did a good job, and his emotional appeal, and your emotions are surging, and come and trust Jesus, and you're about to step out. He'd say, wait, wait, wait. Before you just step out, there's something you ought to know. And there, if you've stepped out and you've trusted Jesus, there's some things you need to remember. Okay, here's what he said. If, you, if any of you wants to be my follower, number one, you must give up your own way. You must give up your own way. Um, a lot of the, I know the new King James, King James, and probably the ESV puts the way I know it in my brain. If any man wants to come after me, let him deny himself. In other words, you've got to lay yourself aside. We could easily say, and not by Scripture, and probably be more scriptural than ever if we said this. If you want to follow me, you've got to die. You've got to die. See, every new birth, every time somebody... You remember the movie, It's a Wonderful Life, and every time the bell rang, you know, someone got their, an angel got their wings? Yeah. Well, every time that someone is born again, two things have to happen. A funeral and a resurrection. See, we've got to die to self. When we, when we put our faith and trust in Jesus, okay, we die to what we want. We die to our desires, okay, and then we choose to follow him. Every time someone's born again, there needs to be a funeral and there needs to be a resurrection. Paul said it this way. Listen, um, I don't have a slide for this. Listen up. I have, Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. That's a dead thing. I have been crucified with Christ. I have died with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Christ lives in me. And the life I now live, 
I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So to become a Jesus follower, you've got to die. You have got to die. But what's cool about God, he never leaves you dead. He resurrects you. Remember scripture, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Um, over in um, Ephesians, where, where Paul says, you know, we were dead in Christ and he raised us to life. So, so there's got to be a funeral, but there's also a resurrection. You've got to be willing, you must be willing to give up your own way. And that's, that's usually not easy. You know, it sometimes can be very hard. You know, yesterday was rivalry Saturday. Not, yeah, rivalry Saturday on college football. And almost every game you saw on the TV, uh, one team was playing their rival. Okay? You know, I don't, they do it that way. They do it that way. Well, it turned out that you know, Ohio State um, was playing their rival, and their rival was Michigan. And Ohio State lost. I grieved. I just, I couldn't even come. I cannot wait to come to church and do this part of the sermon because I know how much Roth Clayton loves Ohio State. To be able to stand on the stage and say, they lost. You remember the day they beat Notre Dame? Chaboom! Payback is the devil. So it's like this. Dying to self is like Roth going, you know what? I love Ohio State, but I choose now to love Michigan. Can you even imagine that? <laughs> or, you know, I don't, I don't think Jamal's here today, but Jamal is fanatical about Alabama. And it'd be like Jamal saying, you know what? I'm leaving Alabama to become an Auburn fan. What's your favorite team? My son-in-law loves the Cubs and hates the Cardinals. I can imagine him sitting here today. He's down in Vienna, Vienna Way. I can imagine him saying, I'm leaving the Cubs and I'll follow the Cardinals. That's what it's like. It means leaving behind what you love for a new love. For a new love. So you must give up your own way. You must take up your cross. Now, I know, I know, I know. This is one of those twisted scriptures. You know, there's somewhere in this crowd or on the radio or in Facebook, there's a woman going, oh, yes, I bear my cross. I'm married to him. I'm married. To, it's my husband. He's my cross. He's my cross. And then the husband going, you got it backwards, woman. When I married you, I went to the cross business. I've been carrying you forever. The cross business. And then, then you might be saying, no, 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 no. That's my mom and dad. My mom and dad, I, I, I was born to the wrong family, and my mom and dad are my cross, or it's my boss, or it's my career. You know, whatever it is, it's my cross. It's none of that. It's none of that. See, to take up your cross is a cross of identity. When a person carried the cross up to their place of crucifixion, they were telling the world that Rome was the boss and they were not, and that they were wrong. They got it wrong with Jesus. But regardless, that's what the Roman world saw when they saw Jesus carrying the cross up. So, so when Jesus says, take up your cross, he's saying, take up a new identity. You're saying to the world, I identify with Jesus. 
Jesus Christ is my king, he's my savior, and he is my Lord. And Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, you have to have that point of surrender. It's a point of identity. I identify with Jesus Christ. And, and when, you, when you follow Jesus, you follow Jesus. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. But, but at the same time, the cross says, I am surrendering and allowing him to rewrite the stars from last week. To rewrite the stars. So he says, you've got to give up your own way. You've got to deny self. You've got to die. There always has to be a funeral and a resurrection, okay? You've got to take up your cross, and you've got to follow me. Now, I've always thought that redundant. Because he says, if you want to follow me, uh, you've got to follow me. Am I the only one who thought that? And like today, the little light went on. What he's saying is, if you're going to follow Jesus, if you're going to follow me, you got to follow me. It's not redundant. He's saying, if you want to follow me, it involves you following me. You don't take off on your own path, your own course. You don't follow after the world. You don't follow after this. You don't follow after that. If you want to be my follower, you got to follow me. That's what he said. So if you're here today and you've never done the Jesus thing, okay, then you need to know today that if you want to follow him, it's not a free punch to heaven. That's not what this is all about. It's about surrender. It's about faith and surrender to Jesus Christ. I choose you to be the boss and Lord of my life. That's what it's all about. And heaven's thrown in. Heaven's thrown in. Salvation is much more about, you know, you becoming, you know, holy before God through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. You know, heaven's thrown in. That's great. We're glad for that. But it's about you understanding that you have sinned against God. And God wants to forgive your sins and will if you put your faith and trust in Jesus. And, and church, yeah, remember this. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all, all about. Well, Mark eight thirty six. he asked two questions and we'll be done. He asked two questions, and you need to consider these. So keep in mind, this is right in line with what we just read. So, so what do you benefit? Jesus would say this. If he's here today and you're pondering, are you going to say yes to Jesus or no to Jesus? Yes to Jesus or no to Jesus? What do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your soul? So what if you get all the toys? So what if you amass the new pickup truck, the new house, the clothing, the big 401k, the house in Florida. What if you gain all of that, okay, but you lose your soul? You've got to figure that out. You've got to nail that down in your head. Or, or, or what if, what if you know, Satan comes to you and says, Hey, dude, just trust me, and I will give you a, I'll give you 100 years. You can live to be 100 in years. I tell you, I'm going to make the deal better in this service. The, the oldest guy in the world just died, and he was 112 years old. And Jesus says, I'm sorry, Satan says, I'll give you 115. Perfect health. No cancer, no sickness, no pain, no sorrow. 115 years of perfect health. What do you think? What's that compared to eternity? What is 115 years of perfect health compared to eternity separated from God in a place called hell? So Jesus says, so, so what do you benefit? What do you really get out of the deal? If you gain the whole world, but lose your own soul. And then he asks the second question, uh, verse number 37. Um, he says this, he says, 
Is anything worth more than your soul? What do you think? Is 100 years of perfect health? Is, is the right house in town, the nicest car, the biggest 401k, the best popularity in school? Is it worth more than your soul? See, your soul lives forever. It's going to live somewhere, heaven or hell. And Jesus poses that question. Is it worth it? Is it worth it? Is whatever the world is offering you, is it enough to replace Jesus? You know, the woman's saying, never enough, never enough, never enough. That should be our theme song. The world is never enough to take Jesus from me. The world is never enough to replace Jesus in my life. Our last teaching point says this. When negotiating about you and eternity. I, I had a friend of mine named Andy Pribble. And he's going to be with the Lord. He's one of our favorite people. <laughs> he was just a, he's just a cool guy. Quirky, but a cool guy. But anyway, he was the business manager for all of Southern Illinois for the ironworkers. And uh, he was up to his eyeballs in politics and up to his eyeballs in the union. And he was one of the ones that negotiated the deal for the ironworkers. Um, my daughter used to be, I don't know if she still is or not. No, and I'm sure she's not now. That she negotiated for the teachers down in Bayana. And I know we have a couple others that are in kind of that role. Well, so you all know about negotiating. You know, every time you go buy a car, you negotiate. When you buy a house, you negotiate. <laughs> Sometimes you get married, you negotiate. Okay? So, so when negotiating, though, about you and eternity, remember two things. First, eternity is too long to be wrong. Eternity goes on and on and on and on. You know, you buy the wrong car, you're stuck with it for six years. Buy the wrong house, it could be up to 30 years. Marry the wrong person, a lot of heartache, a lot of pain. But, but the eternity, which goes on forever and ever and ever, you make the wrong decision there, and you either spend eternity in hell or heaven. Make the wrong decision, and you're going to be eternally separated from God. You said, that's not fair. I know. Well, at least it seems that way because I was going to preface it with this. It's God that wants you to go to hell. That's why he did the Jesus thing. That's why he sent his son on a cross. So you wouldn't have to go to hell. The Bible says hell was created for the devil and his angels. It wasn't created for you. If you, if you choose to go to hell, you're going to have to step over the dead body and resurrected body of Jesus Christ. The dead body and resurrected. The cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So remember, eternity is a long time to be wrong. And your soul is so valuable. Remember what Jesus said? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So Jesus is enough. He's enough. He's enough to save your soul, and he is enough for you to live with for the rest of your life. No matter what the world offers, it's never enough. We come down to our time of decision. My friend Brent will be standing down here. And first off and foremost, if you're here today and you've, you realize you've never put your faith and trust in Christ. And I'm not talking about being a Babs or a Methodist. That's not the point. The point is, have you by faith put your faith? Have you believed in Jesus Christ as a son of God? That he died for you. That he lives for you. 
and wants to forgive you. If not, why don't you come today? Maybe today's the day. Maybe today's the day. Why not put your faith and trust in Jesus? Why not? Why not? Return is too long to be wrong, and your soul is so valuable. Your soul is so valuable. If you have, celebrate that with me today. Remind yourself that Jesus is enough. That Jesus is enough. No, all the shine of a thousand spotlights? No. All the stars we could steal from the night sky? All the towers of gold would be too small? That's true. That's true. If we could hold the world in our hands? Not enough. Jesus is worth it all. Let's pray together. Well, God, thank you so much for allowing me this opportunity and this privilege to share this truth again. And Jesus, thank you that you are enough. You are enough. That no matter what the world offers, it will fade and decay. But you never will. So I pray you'll speak to the hearts of folks today. I pray that you will, Lord, a friend of mine who's perhaps never put their faith and trust in Jesus, um, may today uh, be that day. And Father, for all of us, the rest of us, who have put our faith in Christ, help us to celebrate what you have done for us. Jesus, we thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.